Hello, welcome to Violet Sessions. I'm Danielle Rodeutchen, your host and co-founder. We're recording at Violet Bakery in Hackney in East London, and Claire Fatak, who is the owner of Violet and also the co-founder of Violet Sessions, is here too. Hi, Claire. Hi, Danielle. <laughs> so today we're talking with Marie McPartland, and how do you know Marie, Danielle? So Marie is the director of Somerset House Studios, and I met her when I used to work at a company called ASOS, and part of my job was to go meet people who worked at big cultural institutions, and um, we met and had a chat, and I was just really impressed with how she's a really cool and interesting woman, first of all, and she has this really... She has really interesting ideas about supporting underground culture, mm-hmm. and I was really impressed with how she works at this really sort of old-school institution, Somerset House, but she's sort of bringing in her background of working in quite alternative forms of culture, art and music and so on, and bringing this really fresh new work into Somerset House, and I just thought that was really cool. Um, so, yeah, so then I asked her if she wanted to do the podcast, because she's just launched this new um, programme um, where they get artists to come in and work at Somerset House... Um, at a reduced rate of rent. So it's kind of an effort to um, get artists in to be able to afford to work in central London, basically. Fantastic. Um, and actually this, and I think they launched it at the end of last year, but this month they're getting in a new influx of artists. So that's kind of why we're talking to her today. So she's from London. She grew up in northwest London. Um, and one of four children. Her dad is a lorry driver. And, um, and her mum works um, at a local school, and um, she was the f- she went to university at Oxford, read English, and then she sort of forged this really interesting career for herself as a freelancer, as a freelance producer. Um, so she and she's done projects for Freeze, the Barbican, the National Trust. She worked for the Mean Fiddler for a while. Um, she spent time living in Ireland, where she was um, the director of the Kinsale Arts Festival, and she also spent time in Australia um, working in Sydney as part of this project she was doing for the Barbican. Um, yeah, and then she joined Somerset House in two, 2015, where she launched this project that we're going to talk to her about today. Amazing. So here's Marie McPartland on Violet Sessions. Hi, Marie. Hi. Thanks for coming and joining us on Violet Sessions. Thanks for having me. Um, we are here at Violet, obviously in East London and we've got Claire here with us this morning as well who is the co-founder Hello <laughs> um, So I think you used to come here you used to be a freelancer before you worked at Somerset House Yeah I was well I was in Ireland immediately before that but I was a, a full kind of card carrying hackneyite before that so. um, I believe you used to hang out in this very place um, I did yeah I have been here before and I recall it being a lot smaller was, is, would that be accurate that it was the, this bit this kind of large upstairs is new did, no but you're one of I think many people that don't realise this upstairs exists oh wow <laughs> it's always been here but it's a secret wow. upstairs and people would come um, you know after having been you know a customer for a year and say oh my god there's an upstairs <laughs> so yeah it's been here the whole time Oh. I think the yellow curtain, by the way, is what makes the difference. That mustard yellow. Yeah. I haven't always had that. No, that's new. <laughs> yeah, it's a strong colour. It's strong. It is. <laughs> anyway, you're here now. You've got a coffee. Um, so, tell, so now you're at Somerset House Studios, where you are the director, and you're leading this whole project, which I believe was launched at the end of last year, 2016. Yeah. Tell me, tell us a bit about what it is you do, what your role is there. 
Um, what is my role? So I'm director of Somerset House Studios um, and was appointed, I guess, to set the whole thing up. Um, it's a, a new initiative for Somerset House, but it's quite a, a large one. Um, as the aim is to have 100 artists in residence in the building, which is quite a large number of artists to have in a building in central London. Um, and also quite unusual, I think, to have people who are making and having the ideas actually within the institution as well. So it's quite an unusual setup that yeah, we have. It's quite. Somerset House is this sort of grand arm of. The London uh, scene, isn't it? It's yeah. really sort of old school. But I guess what the you're doing, yeah, and it yeah, feels great. It feels so. Yeah. It feels quite sort of fresh and almost a bit not subversive, but you know, it just feels very almost a bit unusual for something like Somerset House to be doing something like this. Um, yeah, is that? Would you say that's true? And was that something that you brought to it with your cool freelance background? <laughs> Yeah, freelancers are cool. I'm going to start by saying that. Um, yeah, well, I guess I guess there's kind of two questions in there. And, and the first one, I think that the comment about it being maybe unexpected for Somerset House is, is a really common one. Um, I guess we're different from, say, the Barbican or the South Bank in that it's not a building that's built for a cultural purpose. So it's it's really old. And originally it was, you know, when monarchs were having parties and then it was where... Uh, government officials were working, so yep. it was never built I read to the be. History on the website. Yeah, very, very <laughs> interesting history, actually. Particularly Queen I mean, Elizabeth first lived there. I did not know that. She did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got a very interesting history, and the building that um, we're located in, and and the studios occupies about half of that space, is actually the former Inland Revenue offices as well. So the history of the space is is, is yeah. unusual. Um, so. We've only, it's less than 20 years actually that our purpose has been to be artistic and to be cultural. So in the grander scheme of things, it's actually really new. So we may not seem new because we're kind of old, but we're also really new. And so um, this is kind of in some ways a logical step in helping Somerset House establish its cultural identity. Yeah. So maybe explain a little bit about exactly what it's doing, what you're doing with this programme and what it's trying to achieve. Sure. So I guess the mission, in a way, is to find a way to put experimentation and the messiness of artists back into central London, um, where a lot of places are becoming quite homogenised, um, and where things, to be really frank, are quite often about money. Um, artists have been, for a long time, pushed further and further out in the city, and it's now very, very unusual to have a studio in Zone 1. In fact, there's hardly any examples at all. Because um, they can't afford it. They can't afford it because the rents are very expensive. Yeah. So we're in quite an unusual position. In that the, the building is actually owned by the government, but it's, it's run independently. And that allows us to set and control the rents, which is very unusual. It's a big challenge for artists, you know, moving into really precarious spaces where a private landlord comes in and, and decides to turn it into luxury flats and suddenly hikes the rent. And people have no control. So we can offer a safe space, which is a... Um, allows artists to feel like they can be nurtured to create work without the threat of the economy kind of ruining. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing because that's exactly what has happened out here in Hackney, you know, so. Yeah. Sadly. <laughs> yeah, very much so. And yeah. even, I mean, studio space in Hackney now is really, you know, it's dwindling hugely. And was it um, your idea? Was, some, was, it, was it an idea you brought to them or was it a job that was advertised? It was a job that was advertised to be director of something called Made at Somerset House, 
Um, so I was appointed to that role and uh, I guess there is, there's always been a vision there from the director Jonathan Ricky to convert those spaces into artist studios and to focus on cross-disciplinary working so not to specialise on one particular art form. Um, and then my background is specifically as a cross-disciplinary producer so I've worked across music and literature and performance and increasingly visual arts in the immediate before getting this job so I guess I kind of knew how to do it and occupied a slightly unusual position in uh, having those networks across those different art forms and also understanding how to get work made in, in a way that's quite on the fly and isn't about lots of funding and um, I had a very I would say non-institutional approach which I think Jonathan would agree is why I got the job. <laughs> What does that mean, specifically that? when it comes to your role? What does that mean? Well, I think I'd never, I'd never been on anyone's payroll um, since I first left university, actually, until I got this job. So, um, I guess... That's impressive. Yeah, but it, I mean, it, totally not intentional. Like, I didn't kind of go out into the world thinking, you know, two fingers to the world, I'm going to do my own thing. A lot of it is about circumstance, and I initially started working in the music industry in a very difficult time where digital was really reshaping um, how people could make money from that industry and lots of big companies were buying out the small guys and um, that didn't really feel like a very uh, safe career either to be honest so that kind of happened by accident and I guess it means that from fairly early on in your career you know how to hustle <laughs> and how to um, prioritise the strength of the idea or the strength of the artist or the musician um, over any kind of budget or resource and so you're doing things really for the love and for the excitement and and then figuring it out around that so that comes first so I think institutions I guess tend to be a bit more strategic in that the theme is there or the objective is there longer term rather than I think um, you wouldn't mind me saying when I went to meet you at, the, at Somerset House recently and I was trying to meet you I was trying to get you to come meet me in another cafe somewhere outside and I was like can you come meet me here at 4.30 and you're like no I'm afraid you have to meet me here that's what, that's what happens when you work in an institution and I was and I thought oh does that mean that you feel it feel it like it's slightly constraining because you're used to that freedom of being a freelancer I think there's pluses and minuses to both like having a salary is amazing I can't stress <laughs> that enough because it was over 10 years since I'd had that security and um, I guess going back to that half joking notion of hustle having that allowed me to take all of the hustle about how I was going to pay my own rent and actually put that into making things happen really quickly so that's a huge bonus but there are there are a lot of meetings <laughs> Emails, lots of meetings. Lots of paperwork, yeah. Mm. And this whole cross-disciplinary thing is obviously something that, that you're, that, that is the big theme behind what you're doing. And yeah. um, I think that's a really interesting idea because it's sort of uncovering new hybrids. Um, and obviously at this time when digital has, is transforming so many different parts of culture, that is really interesting. Um, why do you, what is it about that that you find interesting? And, was, and do you, have you just stressed the cross-disciplinary disciplinary thing because you think that that's what Somerset House can use as a USP? Or is it because you are so personally interested in it? I think there's definitely a big personal interest there for me. Um, and I'd say the same with, with Jonathan as well. We've both worked across a lot of different art forms. Um, and we've both done a lot of work supporting artists quite early on in their career. There's a definite shift with how... Um, artists make work and it's it's very accurate to say that digital has a huge impact on that. Give an example of a kind of 
the kind of thing they're doing that does embrace all these different ways of working and merging them? Things that people are doing that embraces different ways of working. Um, okay, so I guess uh, one example would be we hosted a club night called Shutters Down um, two weeks ago in the Dead House, which is this dungeon-like space underneath Somerset House's courtyard that most people don't know about. And that was curated by... Yeah, no, it's a, re- it's a really special space, actually, that is hardly ever open to the public. Dead House, how do you get in there? The Dead House you have is... You to go to an event, you can't just go in there. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard. To, you'd never, you couldn't find it. Like, you have to have a special, mm. a special entrance way That's laid amazing. out for you and clearly <laughs> signposted. It's really hidden. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant place to do stuff. And we have an artist called Lone Lady who's on Warp Records. She's with us while she works on her third album. Um, her studio space is a former Navy rifle range within the building, so it's a very unique space to make music and very fitting for her as an artist who's very interested in um, psychogeography and architecture and brutalism and concrete is a re- reoccurring theme in her work. I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying. So we invited her to curate um, a club night that she has done before in Manchester called Shutters Down, and that was all about her kind of deconstructing her influences and the influences in her music but actually it felt much more like an installation so she didn't perform at all she spent a lot of time creating five different sets of visuals so it actually felt like this whole sort of immersive bleak rave I think is the most accurate description of that um, is that is that a good example? That is. is that? That is. I, I, I'm getting a good sense of the cross-disciplinary <laughs> stuff there. I just wondered, what is it about your background? You think that sort of has given you that drive and that ability to hustle? Hustle. The hustle. Yeah, the it's going to be a real. recurring theme in the podcast. The hustle thing. I shouldn't have said it really, but um, <laughs> don't know. That's. I mean, it's an interesting question. I think that I was. Um, I guess I was the first person in my family to do A levels. So um, it's really. Um, it really broadens your horizons, education. So your parents, like your, your dad was a lorry driver? Yeah, he and still your mom, is, yeah. He still is a lorry still driver. A lorry driver. <laughs> and your mum, it was a stay-at-home mum? She, um, she worked up until two years ago. She worked, she worked in the um, office of the place I went to primary school, actually, but she finished there two years ago. But my dad is still working, actually. He's still and they're still based lorry. in northwest London? It's still in Stonebridge Park, yeah, in northwest London, where I grew up. Um, yeah, I think that you know, it's education is a wonderful thing, and you it, it propels you into um, being in a place where you're encountering people you would not otherwise have encountered, and that helps to inspire you to think about other options. I think I don't know what I would have said I wanted to be when I was 16, but I feel that you know what I am now is pretty close to what I thought when I was 18. I was always the person in my friendship group who knew a lot about pop culture, I guess, or not so popular culture. Um, be that yeah. you know comic books or music or music or, or film um, so I've always been that person and then when you're that person you're attracted to those people and being in those spaces and some people are very attuned to just spying the opportunities and responding to them and I think that that comes quite natural to me but then there has also been times when you just needed to pay the rent so you said yes to something not knowing what it was and that actually took everything in a completely different direction so it's there's a certain way of being in the world I think that allows you to be open to the potential of that and this sort of where does your love of so where, where did this come from this love of when you say you know you, you you were the person in your friendship group who knew the most about pop culture but where does this love of sort of underground culture um, slightly alternative music and art 
Where does that come from? Um, I really don't know the answer to that, to be honest. Going deep. So <laughs> going, going really deep now, going really far back. Um, gosh, I, I don't know. She's just cool. <laughs> Okay. I don't know about that. I think uh, I think my, my, the girls in the office will probably disagree with that. Tell me about the girls in your office because you um, it's an all female team. You told me very it proudly. Yeah. So so you report to Jonathan Rikki, who's the director of all of Somerset House. Yeah. And then yeah. you for Somerset Studios, you have a, a three three person team. Yeah. So there's three of us, and then I, I feel I need to give a shout out to Laurent because he is a man. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Hi, Laurent. Hi, Laurent. <laughs> Um, but he's he's kind of working with us in an interim phase, but he's pretty invaluable. So I'll give him a special mention. But there's <laughs> it's me and it's Emma, the studio manager, and it's Leonora, who's the producing assistant. Um, and then we also have working with us in, in freelance capacity, Estella, uh, who's wonderful. So yeah, it's kind of it's a lot of strong Was females. Was that a deliberate decision or? No, no, not at all, actually. I mean, it's it's interesting because I've appointed, I think, four positions since I've been doing this, and there are just very few yeah. male applicants. <laughs> I don't really? know why that is. Um, I don't know why that is. But, yeah, I mean, that is not intentional at all, but I think it's accurate to say there's a lot of very strong women. I was reading about <laughs> how you try and make it sort of very... Uh, like community spirited in in there for the artists and how yeah. you try and encourage the artists to work with each other in an effort to find new ways of working or try yeah. and expose new art work um, is that something that you and your team have tried to do consciously together very much so I think we um, we really actively I was going to say did space. you make it cosy because you're women and then I was like that's really really <laughs> that's really wrong I think well if anything, I'd say, personally, I'm probably the opposite of that because I come from a sort of man-up-and-do tax return sort of <laughs> approach to artists, which, you know, I think is not so bad. But, um, yeah, like I think we all really care. We're all really into it, and we're all very into a lot of underground and subcultures as well, b- very broadly. Um, and I think the thing I always feel about the project is that Somerset House is is beautiful and it's a huge draw of course it is it's a magnificent building but actually it is the people and it is the sense of being looked after that really make it and um, we do actively try to encourage people to connect and to have ideas you can't be too uh, headmistressy about that because it just doesn't work Mm -hmm. but you can uh, you know create a space yeah or get people drunk on a Friday or yeah. just be there to listen or like be a presence in the building and not lock yourself away in an office like we are very in the building with the artists and their concerns are our concerns and we want them to do well and we feel a bit like proud parents because we're really rooting for everyone to have the success that they want and to support them through that because being an artist can be quite solitary work too so that's yeah. like a, a very different way to work it can be, and I think um, in finding the artists that we have, we were very actively looking for artists who, um, you know, were not into working solitary and who were inspired by the sense of working in a multidisciplinary community. And you do have, you totally have to respect that sometimes people have a deadline and they have to get their head down and work. But we try to encourage that. Um, sense of community as much as possible and I think that is what distinguishes it from other studio lets where you just rent a space and there is nothing directly connecting you to the other tenants 
And you've just launched a new program, or you've just released something. You sent me a press release yesterday, um, where that you've explained there are 25 new artists that you've added to the existing to the existing artists, or have yep. some of the artists had to move out to make room for the new. No, artists? no, we're still we're still growing. We've still got space for more, actually. Really? So, <laughs> people who want to apply, what's the criteria, and what's a good way to go about getting the well, application accepted? This this is a complicated question because we've we've just. Um, on the 1st of April, the, the community doubles with the new, new intake who've all applied. But at the moment that we opened it to application is kind of a one-off experiment. So it isn't necessarily how we will recruit going forward. So we need to think about that. But with the people who are coming in, I guess it was partly the community thing, partly the multidisciplinary thing. But then around that, we are basically looking for the most exciting people, um, people who are being bold in their work and taking risks um, people who are engaging with uh, issues which feel urgent and even in the two years I've been doing the job like what that means has changed dramatically and technology is also a big part so people who are exploring the, the potential the new potentials for making with new uh, digital technologies do you want to talk about any of the new artists you've got coming in yeah um, there's quite a lot of them <laughs> So, um, who would I like to talk about? Well, someone who I'm really excited about, actually, is an artist called Nick Abrahams. So, Nick is a filmmaker, um, and he... Uh, people might know his work from working with Jeremy Della. So, he actually made the Depeche Mode film that Jeremy Della is quite famous for, about the fans, Depeche Mode fans. Um, and he also made a video for Sigur Ross that won a big award, too, so he's known for that. Um, and most recently, he's been working with the folk artist Shirley Collins, and he made a beautiful music video for her. I think it's her first album in 40 years, I believe. Like, might not be accurate but um and he's been working on the visuals for her tour and it's all stunning work so as part of his focus of working with us he's going to be looking at making his first feature film and you know he's not um fresh out of college he's in a different point in his career um but we're very much not just about new graduates and the hottest young thing like we are about you know taking people to the next level whatever point they're at in their career and so for nick, having someone like nick who's got this huge amount of experience to share with some of the younger artists but also doing something new for himself is a very exciting um, potential for us and we've also um, just announced that Music Hack Space are joining us so they're not artists per se but they are a community of um, music makers who hack technology basically and they uh, they deconstruct and reconstruct machines and they explore the potential of that and so they're based with us but they come with, with that comes a huge community of artists who are working with music and new technologies so we worked with music hackspace to get arts council funding to support their development as an organization because they've never had a proper space before they have existed itinerantly with other host organizations who've been hugely beneficial to them but they successfully got funding to have sort of two years of strategic development for them to make what they do financially sustainable and we have some expertise and skills to be able to assist that um, in return they deliver a whole bunch of amazing content that's so niche that we could never program ourselves so it's very much win-win for both of us yeah, so cool why do you think it's so important to have that kind of community in central london what do you think it brings to the city so much, so much that so many um, I feel like it's powers, <laughs> <laughs> so much that so many people at a very high level really seem to struggle 
with you know it's like why is that because they're not they're not in touch with what's happening outside of mainstream culture or I think that people at the top to be vague about that generally (laughs) fail to understand at the top top, um you know (laughs) keeping it keeping it vague Friday morning um I guess um you know, there's, if it doesn't make money, what value is it? That's so often the question, isn't it? That's the state of um, what we're all dealing with, anyone in a creative profession right now, is if it doesn't make money, then what's the point? And for us, this doesn't make money. And Somerset House can, you know, lease the whole site to a film shoot or host a huge big fashion party. And it could potentially just keep chugging away and never have to worry about... Um, you know how um, it, it pays its own rent because it is beautiful and people want to be there but um, there is so much value with extending that and, and like acknowledging that we're very lucky to be financially sustainable without money from the government but actually putting investing some of that back into the creative talent that makes any of that even possible because if you're not investing in the artists now yeah. um, of all the projects you've done with all the various institutions um, can you give an example of something where you saw a real, a real positive effect on the community through the work that the artists or the musicians were bringing? Wow, okay, let me have a think on that one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what about, or maybe it's better if I, I'm more specific, I was thinking about when you went to Ireland. Yeah. For a, you went to Ireland for a while. Two years, You're yeah. from London, but you went, to, and then you studied <laughs> at Oxford. You went to two years, Kinsale, yeah. to work on the Kinsale Music Festival. I think you're director there. Kinsale Arts Festival. Arts Festival. Yeah. What kind of things did you manage to push through? What was it you were most proud of that you brought to the programme? What was I most proud of? Um, I think that was quite a challenging um, job to take on because it, you know the festival had been founded um, during what they call in Ireland the Celtic Tiger years when there was a lot of money around and there was a lot of sponsorship deals being done and everyone was getting 100% mortgages and thought... Uh, property was the future and everyone was going to be rich which is a very short um, period in Irish history sadly but the festival was founded in that spirit when there was a lot of money around and had started out doing a lot of very ambitious site specific visual arts commissioning um, which had you know been very well received and then when that money was no longer around it had become a different festival that was much more about free music in the square and kind of face painting and clowns and um, which totally has its place don't get me wrong it, it really does have its place um, it's not so much my background I would say that that sort of thing so um, when I was in Ireland I, I guess I was looking at what the roots of that had been and why it had why it had felt necessary to have a festival like that in the first place and returning it to that without any of the budgets so um, I, I was very fortunate in being able to secure quite a lot of funding when I was out there to be able to commission a lot of work that was very specifically responding to the landscape there. And for people who don't know Kinsale, it's a, a beautiful fishing town on the south coast of Cork that just looks out into the ocean and it's incredibly picturesque. Um, Why did you ever come back? Why did I ever come back? Well, um, I think at heart I'm quite an urban person. <laughs> Um, I'm quite an urban Londonite and um, you know I loved being there and it was great living by the water and I loved um, living inside a small forest as I was in the middle of nowhere but when I was there I was also kind of playing a lot of uh, burial and (laughs) burial 
You know, What's I was. That? Well, Burial is a, he is a music artist who I would say. Uh, <laughs> oh, I see. It's <laughs> yeah, it's fairly unkinsel, I would say. Um, I don't know, I was well, kind of trying you, to recreate you know my own sense of I was trying to recreate my own sense of urban London within this environment and kind of knowing that as nice as it was for a holiday, it probably wasn't somewhere for someone like me to live longer term because I miss the cut and thrust of the culture a lot, you know. Mm. I like that, I like the... Uh, the scene and I like to be able to see three things in a night if I want and so where do you go about when you're going to you know how do you find out about the, about a cool new act to go and check out or a new exhibition somewhere in the country where do you where do you get all that information from where do you get it from um, social media plays a huge huge part um, Twitter in particular I would say um, there's certain places that you look to because you know their like what, taste is good which accounts on Twitter or is it hashtags or uh, I'd say it's just fo- well, it's following certain people, it's following certain venues. It's people should follow you, press. maybe, because I saw you retweet <laughs> quite a lot of those things. <laughs> I do, yeah. A, a lot of it's quite niche, though, so I'm not really sure how, how much anyone ever <laughs> so ever clicks on it. But niche is good. Niche has got its place. Uh, not every night, not every night, but quite quite a lot. As the team as a whole, like we're covering a lot of bases between the north and the south. Like I'm a big, um, I love the venue Cafe Otto in Dawson. I go there to see a lot of new music. They have it's a fantastic program. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. Um, we're always looking to outside of London to Wising Art Centre in Cambridge because the director there, Donna, has got impeccable taste in both uh, visual art and music, and she's doing she's bringing brilliant artists there. They're making really exciting work. Last night I was actually doing some volunteering. I wasn't seeing any shows. What were you volunteering for? Um, at a refugee youth centre in Stratford. So I was doing some How was that? Uh, portrait painting. Uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. Yeah, it's um, challenging, you know, but um, something I'm glad to be doing. I would say. Mm. I was at Cafe Otto this week, um, and then we have our own event tomorrow night. So. Um, it's a bit of a Somerset House weekend this weekend. So we have this um, event called Nocturnal City that's exploring uh, London nightlife versus Berlin nightlife in a positive, creative way, like how we can be working together, what we can be learning. But there is an aviation strike. Okay, well, fingers <laughs> crossed. They're all, gonna, all your DJs are going to arrive in time and you're not going to have to cancel it. I'm going to be following you on Twitter for that. I really, really hope not because there's a lot of people primed to dance tomorrow night, <laughs> myself included. So <laughs> that would be really sad. All right. Well, listen, thanks so much for coming and talking to us. It all sounds really, really cool. Thank you so much, Marie. Thanks for having me. That was Marie McPartland talking to Danielle Radoichin and me, Claire Patak, at Violet Bakery in East London. Please subscribe to Violet Sessions, leave comments, and follow us. We are on Instagram as at Violet Sessions, and this show is a co-production of In Talks With and Wargeek Productions. Thanks for listening.